Oh, man. Welcome to the Bucket Problem. Episode 25, Michigan beat Ohio. Feeling pretty good. We are presented by Homefield Apparel, Points Bet, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Final score of Saturday's game, Michigan 42, Ohio State 27. Michigan, 299 yards rushing, only two negative yards. They happened on two kneel downs to end the game. Michigan is Big East champions. Iowa is next. And uh, things are good. Things are pretty good. I'm joined today by uh, Connor and Dan. Oh, I'm your host, Ace Ambender. Forgot to say my name. Hi, I'm feeling fantastic. Dan, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm feeling just tremendous. Um, I've been uh, having like my, I've just been in such a good mood um, for now, you know, going on uh, three days. Um, I have never had more fun online uh, than, I mean, I just like every time I open Twitter, like it's just like a fun little party for me. Um, <laughs> it's, I've just fallen completely off the wagon. Um, I'm being a t- com- complete uh, asshole to anyone and any, anyone and, um, <laughs> and everyone and anyone that will listen online or will give me, you know, will, is willing to like uh, interact with me, quote, tweet, dunking on them. Um, it's uh I've, I'm like really, really in it. I'm, I'm a pig in slop. You're um, bearing the is, lead. You are back on two, four, seven. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm back on two, four, seven. I've got a new, got a new account. Um, you know, this one's not banned, uh, on the, the Wolverine insider yet. Um, but, uh, or the Red Cedar message board <laughs> or the Red Cedar message board. Yeah. Oh, I can post on Red I gotta, I gotta wait for it. I can, yeah, I can, I can go back to posting on Red Cedar message board. Um, temporarily at least. Temporarily. Um, congratulate them on their coach of the year trophy, dude. I know. Yeah. That's oh, dude. I've got so many, I've got so many good posts. Like I got up, but you can't, the thing, the, 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 the key is you can't just go like straight in like guns of blazing because they will ban you. Um, I've got to build up some, some kind of like gravitas before I really start uh, annoying the shit out of them. Um, but okay. All that said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in such a good mood. Uh, this is, this is the best. Um, I, uh, I, I, I forgot that being a Michigan fan, like could feel this good. Um, cause it, I mean, I don't think I've ever felt this good. Cause I really don't like the first year I was ever into Michigan, um, was 2011. God damn. And, you say that. I'm sorry. Ace. Um, but so like, I kind of took, you know, they beat Michigan, they beat Ohio state that first year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, I never got to have that big lead up. And then ever since then, I mean, you know, that was before I could drive. Now I have like a 401k. Um, and, and like, I had to wait that entire time for another win over uh, Ohio state. And um, yeah, it really, it almost made it worth it. It almost made it worth it on Saturday. So um, I'm doing great. Well, we, we also got to check off Michigan man brags about his 401k, uh, on the podcast. So, uh, oh, yeah. we're already I mean, look, crushing it. Oh, you want to, you want to talk Vanguard? Let's talk. Vanguard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, look, you got to max out your match. Okay. Like you, everyone knows that this is, this is just, this is common sense. Ace. All right. Like it, it comes around in the, in the long run. Yes. Uh, we, we can do- your match says the, uh, the, the uh, sub stack writer. Um, yeah, I, I know all about that. <laughs> I chose this life. I chose this for myself. Um, Connor, how are you today? I'm doing great. And uh, much like Dan, I almost got myself banned last night from one of the Michigan forums for being too exuberant and too happy. I'm not going to say which one, but <laughs> I would say I'm having too much fun online. Also, even though uh, even though I'm not on Twitter. Um but it's, it's been great. I mean, I think Ace, like to counteract some of the, the youthful uh, frippery that Dan was just doing there. Yes, um, please. 
I'm closer, I'm a little bit closer to your age, and but you and I remember like, <laughs> <laughs> you and I remember late Lloyd Carr against Ohio State, right? So all the suffering, you know, since Urban Meyer got there uh, is one thing, and that's I mean, has been the worst of it. But like I remember I got really into Michigan when I was in like my, my middle school years, and I remember the 2005 game. I think Michigan was nine and two coming in, which is like the platonic Lloyd Carr record. They, you know, they always <laughs> managed to lose to like Minnesota or something ridiculous like that. Uh, and then I would say it was six and five. That was like Jim Trestle's worst team. And I hate to bring this up, but like Ted Ginn Jr., one of my least favorite players ever, just ran all over Michigan in special teams and on offense. And Michigan lost that game. And at the time, it was like, okay, well, we'll get him soon. And you know, Michigan has won now two games since that game in 2005. <laughs> um, and and yeah, I I don't want to bring up all this past pain, but I bring it up just to say that like I wasn't even prepared for how good I would feel on Saturday. I mean, I literally broke down crying. I called my family members who were also just exuberant. Both my parents are Michigan alumni. Um, I, it, you just can't really do it justice how cathartic it was uh, and how it kind of just changes the whole way that like my life feels, which sounds kind of sad to say, but like also, you know, feels good to say right now, which is just like, I don't have in the back of my mind that I wish Michigan football <laughs> were doing what I wanted them to do and beating Ohio state and competing for big 10 titles and stuff. Uh, they're doing that. And so, you know, I, I get to feel really good about a, a big part of my life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we all we've all like, shared our anecdotes about how good this feels. And I, I don't have a ton to add. Um, you know, it's it's been good. Yeah. No, I mean, I uh, I sat there after the game and I knew I was like I was, you know, once the game started getting in hand, I, I had allowed myself to consider in the week leading up to that, that I would write a game, game recap because it just felt like I should not pass up an opportunity to do that. But I took a long moment to myself uh, beforehand to um, let that soak in as much as it could. Uh, and it's still happening. Um, just to continue to counteract uh, Dan's uh, youthfulness, I will mention that I was at the 1995 Michigan-Ohio State game. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, Dan was like three weeks old, I think. I'm not, not to make you feel any worse, but <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was literally like a child or not, not, I was, I was like a, a newborn baby. Yeah. Um, I, so. I was, I was a child. Um, but I do have clear memories of 313 yards. And um, I mean, I have very clear memories of the 1997 championship season. I was a freshman during the 2006 season. Um, you know, I was on the field for the 2011 Ohio state game and, uh, nothing, I mean, you know, I was too young to appreciate the 97 national championship season and nothing has touched, um, at least in football, uh, the feeling of that game, um, that, uh, that, that was different, that, that hit in a way that, uh, I mean, I didn't know what to do with myself, but I, I, I mean, the feeling has just kind of remained in the couple of days since of like, ah, that is very much a weight lifted. And I don't even think I realized how much of a weight it was, especially when, you know, you're um, as tied into Michigan athletics as I am in terms of what I do for a living. Uh, even if you try to kind of keep yourself separate from it a little bit, keep, keep that uh, emotional reaction at arm's length. Um, it's hard not to, to feel it because that's, uh, 
you know, that's the environment that you wade into and to have things change so dramatically and quickly, um, just feels fucking great. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, we get to think about like Michigan being, you know, maybe only one upset away from a national title. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I so while we're getting all the good vibes out, I mean, that's really kind of what struck me over the past couple of days. And uh, I, I tweeted this, but it, it really feels like the, the ceiling has been blown off. You know, um, we've talked about this before. Um, I've, I've said before about how, you know, Michigan fans exist kind of in a special hell uh, where it just feels like we're kind of stuck in this. We have a very constrained set of realities and all it really took, you know, is, uh, is them beating Ohio state. Like they just, they beat them in a football game. It was as simple as that. It didn't take any like divine intervention or like, you know, savior or like generational team or anything. It just, they just beat, I mean, you know, this is a great team. Don't get me wrong, but it's, uh, you know, it, this was not certainly not coming into the season, you know, the, the chosen ones, you know, I mean, I think there was the 2016 team or maybe the 2018 team or whatever, but you know, they just did it. And now it just feels like, you know, you look and do I think Michigan's going to win a national title? You know, I mean, odds are no, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, they're, they're going to, they're heavy favorites against Iowa. And then it's, you know, Cincinnati. And then all you got to do is win one game. And, and the point is not like, okay, you know, Hey, they're, they, they should go with a national title now. Like that'd be great. But the point is it feels so much more attainable, you know, even in 2016 with that team that we all just felt was so incredible. Um, and they were, you know, it never felt like, and maybe it would have felt different if they did beat Ohio state, but it just, it did feel like there was the barrier there. You know, it felt like, the things that we were aspiring to were just aspirations. And now it's like, it's really real. Like it's there, it's right in front of you. It's, it's, it's all there for the taking and um, credit to this team and the leaders of this team, um, Aiden Hutchinson and Cade McNamara and Hassan Haskins, uh, Josh Ross and, 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 and Brad Hawkins, like those guys are Michigan legends uh, forever. And um, you know, I'm, I'm just so happy. I'm genuinely so happy for them, especially Aiden Hutchinson. Um, you know, coming back to this team and uh, and leading it and and believing like when no one else, I mean, truly, like I know a lot of teams say it's like, oh, no one believed in us. But I mean, goddamn, like no one believed Michigan would beat Ohio. No one's not even year. Michigan Nobody. analysts, not yeah. even us, <laughs> not none of us. No, like the most optimistic of us was like nine and three, you know, with with a nice win at Penn State. Like <laughs> it's like yeah. it, we, none of us thought this could happen. And but he like they genuinely did and they came in and they not only did they believe they could win, but they they prepared and execute. They prepared to win um, and they they looked it looked effortless, you know, them doing it. And it just was, you know, it was incredible to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, just credit to this team um, and, and the coaches. And um, I'll get into this a little bit later, but also, you know, um, credit, especially to Jim Harbaugh, who I couldn't be happier for as well. Um, so anyway, well, I'll, I'll stop kind of like, I'm getting like, I'm getting too emotional right now. <laughs> eh. This was definitely the uh, best possible way for us to get owned as um, people who talk about Michigan football. Um, 
we were deeply, yeah. deeply wrong. And isn't uh, it funny that we've we've never been right about literally anything on this podcast? <laughs> like every like <laughs> we 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 spend so much time the past two years, like as long as this podcast has been around, being like, okay, like we look into every position group and like try to predict blah 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 blah, and we've just been like so wrong both years, like the most wrong we got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I I think that's the thing that I want to say is just like I don't. This is really. I'm gonna get to this in my big mood later, but like. This is truly a special, co- I want to say coaching job, coaching achievement, but it's it's a kind of coaching achievement you can't get unless the players are doing special things in practice and in like February workouts, because there's just no way that you go from the secondary that Michigan had last year, which was legitimately one of the worst in the country, maybe the worst in all of power five, like not even, not even kidding to one of the best in the country to where having the PFF grade is as second only to Georgia for a secondary doesn't seem entirely wrong to where we're laughing at Buckeyes podcasters who are like, DJ Turner got toasted. I'm like, man, have you watched film of Denzel Burke in that game? (laughs) 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 Hey, shout out to all the gray beards who made this possible, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I just, I just was saying, it's like that my thing with this team is like, as Dan was saying about position groups, like you can't, Dan said this on Twitter today. You can't ever as a fan, just say like all of our position groups will simply get better like literally every one of them will get way, way better. But that happened to Michigan. And I don't know what to say about it other than it's like one of the all time, like this is one of the all time off season, like achievements by players and coaches that you'll ever see in any sport. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I think even, yeah, it, it would have been unreasonable to project anything like this because you don't really see turnarounds like this. Um, Brian Kelly had one kind of similar one at Notre Dame, uh, but Notre Dame is kind of an unusual school to coach at. Um, and also we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but uh, I think it's more suited to a turnaround than when you're tied into a conference and uh, the team that you, and you have a rival that you cannot get over the hump against. And they're not, not just in your conference, but in your division. Um, so for Michigan to be able to do this while keeping Jim Harbaugh, which is a uh, you know a credit to Ward Manual and the athletic department for uh, having enough faith in him, you know they they restructured his contract so that they could get out of it, but they also had enough faith in him to hold on to him when it would have been um, pretty easy and uh, pretty pop- popular to get rid of him. Uh, and I certainly supported that. Uh, I was not correct uh, about how that would go. I did not think that. Um, tearing down and rebuilding a coaching staff, uh, even if you got the right coaches, would work in one year. And for it all to come together, not just with the almost entirely new defensive staff, uh, which has done a phenomenal job, uh, but to have Sharon Moore slide over to coaching offensive line for the first time in his life and for Michigan to have this running game without a mobile quarterback is astonishing. Um, I mean, this really is just a, a stunning season and, um, uh, an unbelievably good recruiting or good coaching job by Jim Harbaugh. A little slip there because I think there's going to be a pretty good recruiting, uh, uh, news coming shortly and, uh, probably a lot more of that to follow. Um, on that note, let's, let's get to the big nudes, big nudes. Um, 
It was a big nude Saturday. Big nude Tuesday. Look, I was uh, pantsless after that game. (laughs) (laughs) Just Winnie the Poohing it all around the house. Just Uh, like 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 nudes that come through on your phone is like a JPEG. You have to download. They're they're big nudes. They're too big to. (laughs) You probably have to cut that part out. That that, that was what that was what downloading the torrent of the game felt like. Was just you know like six six gigs of nudes um, (laughs) coming straight to my hard drive. We're we're keeping it all in. Let's let's roll with it. But big moods. Um, uh, I, I'll start with mine. Uh, it's for me. I mean, the Michigan very much set a tone from the beginning, but that tone really came together uh, with six minutes and six seconds left in the third quarter uh, when Hassan Haskins got a run down to Ohio State's one yard line. Uh, Roman Wilson and Cameron Brown uh, of Ohio State are a little tied up in the end zone. Um, Brown's having a hard time getting up without tripping over Wilson. And he decides that the proper solution to that is to rip Roman Wilson's helmet off and fling it like 20 yards away, Um, which, uh, you know, fun, but maybe not wise. And then the response, which was so beautifully captured in uh, ESPN's replay, because this, when it happened live, uh, kind of chaotically happened off camera, um, uh, they show, you know, Brown flinging this helmet and kind of walking away somewhat nonchalantly. And then he is the only Buckeye in the frame frame is like the entire Michigan offensive line runs over to confront him. Uh, not quite with violence because they know better than to uh, draw an offsetting personal foul, but they definitely came over with the looming threat of violence and also uh, the looming threat that they they were all much bigger than Cameron Brown. Um, yeah, you could tell he didn't want any of that smoke. Like his body language was very. <laughs> he like, looked fake up like at that point. <laughs> didn't think that one through, um, and it just it felt very appropriate given like how both of these teams showed up in this game. That Michigan like came over as a team to get him the hell out of there, and meanwhile it took a while for anybody else from Ohio state to even like come into view in the camera. And then they cut to Roman Wilson who is on the sideline as like someone hands him his helmet back and he's just laughing. Like um, I can't tell whether he's waving to the Ohio state player or doing the yapping, like you're talking too much signal, but he does that and then turns around and it's just kind of like this fucking guy. And I, you know, Michigan kept their composure all game, and I just appreciated so much how they handled that situation, and it felt very uh, emblematic of uh, how that game went. And then Michigan scored on the next play, so and the game was never really that close again, um, which was it, fun. It, it was really shocking. Um, I heard this on other podcasts, um, uh, specifically the you know the MGO Blog podcast, but it was it was shocking to me, uh, in particular, just how soft Ohio's like they got rattled immediately. You could tell like, as soon as, I mean, I know it's, that's easy to say when like you're, you know, when you're, you're beating a team or whatever, like I feel like this is a pretty generic, like, you know, Oh, they didn't have any fire. They didn't have any competitiveness, whatever. But I really did feel like it was pretty visible. It was visible on the field. Like they did not have like the fire. They didn't have like a lot of swagger. Like they seemed pretty shook almost immediately. Um, And I uh, I don't know like it's 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 just crazy for me to see because you know they have I mean they've been so dominant in this rivalry you think they would have more confidence um, you know but uh, 
I don't know. It was, it was awesome. And it was, it was also awesome to see like, you know, the, the big, the big house really like get behind the team and like really, you know, make an impact on the game um, and, uh, and lead to, you know, just feed into like the overall atmosphere, you know, uh, that all of that, you know, in, involving um, that fight that Ace meant or almost fight that Ace mentioned. I mean, the vibes were just great is what I'm trying to get across here. Um, the vibes were yeah, incredible I, for Michigan. I think like I've heard Buckeyes analysts say this, so I'm not just being a homer here. Like the vibe I got from Ohio State was they legitimately thought and I can't believe this. This is a coaching failure and a player leadership failure. They thought it was going to be easy because they had just played Michigan State that was supposed to be as good or better than Michigan since they beat Michigan. And it was easy and it was actually just farcical. I think that when it wasn't easy, like they, I mean, again, this is a massive coaching failure in particular. When they took that punch, that was it. They did not expect Michigan to have even one good punch in them. And I, I don't think that I may ever see that again in this rivalry. Um, Cause they're, I mean, especially they're going to spend the entire off season screaming at the players about that. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, that was that was remarkable. And I don't think an Urban Meyer team would ever do that because, like, say what you will for Urban Meyer. He did instill toughness in his guys and they were always ready to play Michigan Um, that I don't know. It was it was a sight to see. Yeah, I mean, um, like Michigan goes down for that first touchdown drive. And it's I mean, you have a couple pretty punishing first down conversions by Hassan Haskins and then that um, beautifully drawn up. play for AJ Henning to come around on an end around with some misdirection uh, for the touchdown and Ohio State, I, I, you know, that, that game became a blur very quickly because of just how much emotion I was feeling during the game. And then going through to make gifts and watch it the second time, I had forgotten that Ohio state's first offensive snap CJ Stroud comes up to the line of scrimmage to uh, change the protection. And their center snaps it into his chest. And, you know, they almost end up giving Michigan the ball on the doorstep of their goal line with a chance to go up 14 nothing. So, I mean, especially when you also factor in that Cade McNamara threw what at the time felt like a backbreaking pick uh, when Michigan also had a chance to go up 14 nothing again after Ohio State uh, didn't do anything on that drive. Um, I mean, this could have very easily been a bigger win than what it was and it was a dominant very easily very yeah. easy i mean they're also the, they don't have some of the most like circus catches you'll ever see they could easily lose by 42 yeah i mean that that's a that's that's a good point ace um i feel like i mean we say this about a lot of games but like they ohio state you know first of all michigan threw that pick to go to that you know the, by the way i think uh donovan edwards was wide open for a touchdown on that play yep. too so really really the first like i would say horrible interception that Kate has had this year. Every other interception has been pretty, you know, under, uh, uh, you know, understandable, like the not, other a bad, two. not a really, <laughs> the other two. Right. But that was the first really bad decision he's made all year. Um, but there was that. And then like, you know, like Connor said, so many circus catches specifically in like third and longs, they were in third and long all day. I mean, I, I don't think it's, cr- I don't think it's uh, out of line here to say that, uh, Michigan could have easily won this game like 42 to like 13. I mean, it really was like, this was an ass kicking. I think, uh, yeah, I think, um, Bill, Ohio Bill State doesn't had have three this, first round receivers then. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, I think, and I think Bill Connolly had this game as a 99% post game win per win probability or whatever. So yes. yeah, I mean, Ohio State had to convert fourth downs and all that. So yeah, anyway, we're, we're, we're going along on this, but it's going to be a lot, folks, it's going to be a two hour podcast. Yeah, buckle up because <laughs> we might be here a while. We, we've got a lot hey. of things to say. <laughs> I mean, some of us have to go. <laughs> some of us have to go watch Ohio State lose again at basketball. Okay, mm. so. Hmm. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. All right. Well, Connor, now that you've uh, you know deflated us a little bit by reminding us of uh, certain. <laughs> Um, how about you go ahead and give us your pick boot? I'm trying to beat Ohio State again for you guys. Man, That's I, I get no love That's here. But, no. <laughs> um, so my Connor, big I gotta is, be I honest, actually... I'm, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for Ohio State over <laughs> oh, basketball. Oh, God, Dan. I don't... That's... I, <laughs> Look, Ohio State is not a basketball rivalry, and I like it's it's. It, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> oh, so- Dan, just just save yourself now. Mute your mic before you say something you're gonna regret, dude. Um, okay, uh, all right. So here's the thing, right? As soon as that game ended, like within like an hour or two, I started writing in my head a really nasty rant about how soft Ohio State is. Um, Partly because I thought that their that the fan response and the analyst response on their end might be like really chesty and huffy, but partly because their response has been, yeah, we're we're too soft. We look like a Big Twelve team. <laughs> um, that's been <laughs> the consensus among their fans and analysts. Uh, but also just because Josh Gaddis already said it, he already called them a soft team, and they're all very very mad about that. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I I don't know what I can really add to that. So I don't want to be mean anymore. I, I'm going to take the high road here. I just want to say, look. To all the Ohio State Buckeyes players and coaches, but especially to those guys who forewent the NFL draft to come back, uh, Theron Munford, Haskell Garrett, um, Jordan Ruckert, and uh, my guy, Chris Olave, my favorite guy. Um, I just hope you had fun this year. You know, football is supposed to be fun. I hope you had a good time. Uh, both teams played hard, and I hope that you're <laughs> proud of the effort <laughs> that you put in, that you put in this year. So that's me being graceful. Um, <laughs> so, and, and one other thing, and I, and this is my real big mood, is that Harbaugh and the postgame presser, in classic Harbaugh fashion, like tried to name as many players as he could, which I find very endearing in this case, especially. But he did focus and, and repeatedly named eight upperclassmen leaders, um, and, and a lot of them are guys you expect: Aiden Hutchinson, Hassan Haskins, Ryan Hayes. Uh, Andrew Stuber, Andrew Vistardis, um, Josh Ross. Uh, I'm probably forgetting someone. Apologies. But um, he then named Jake Moody and Brad Robbins, who are the punter and the kicker, uh, which I find like kicker of the year, baby. Like the kicker of the year. And honestly, Robbins probably should have won. But like one reason he didn't win is because he had nothing to do in this game, <laughs> which is, I mean, great. But like and he was and he was very gracious about it on social media, too. But like, here's the thing, right? When I said earlier that this is an all-time achievement of like like winning the offseason, what I mean is like you can't do what Michigan did, come back from the horrible season they had last year to do what they just did and be one of the best teams in the country just straight up. You can't do that unless like starting exactly this time a year ago, like all of your players and especially the leaders get together and say, okay, we're going to get a lot better and we're going to do the exact right thing and work as hard as we possibly can every day until we play Ohio State again every day before the season kicks off, et cetera. doesn't work unless literally that's how it goes. You say that and then you do it. And to get to do that, like in the depths of February or whatever, you're going to have to have coach leadership, but especially player leadership too, because a lot of this happens without the coaches around. Um, and so I think that a really important glimpse into that, because we don't get to see most of that as fans, obviously, 
but like a really important glimpse into how that's worked for Michigan is when the coach is saying that the kicker and the punter are two of the respected leaders on the team who have helped make this team what it is. What he's saying is this is one of the most cohesive or probably the most cohesive Michigan football team you're ever going to see. That's like the kind of locker room culture that they have. I mean, it's stunning. You can't ever expect it really from a team. But when the coach is saying the kicker and the punter were like two of the most important guys getting us here, like starting at the start of last offseason, that means a lot. That's really special. And that's one of the reasons that this team uh, is what it is. And I, I, I really like that. Yeah. I mean, um, it really, I, it, just to echo that a little bit, it, you really don't, it, in a lot of football locker rooms, you really do get kind of a separation of the units. Um, and that is uh, particularly the case with the special teams where, they're sort of on the team, but you know, not really. I mean, like when they're needed. Um, and this team, it feels to, I mean, first of all, Jake Moody seems like he's, he's kind of a wild man. That dude rips smelling salts before hitting game winning field goals. Um, but it really does seem like this is a, a, about as cohesive of a team as you're going to get, um, at the college level. You're, you're never going to have, you know, 110 best friends out there, but, uh, these are a lot of guys all pulling in the same direction and it's uh it's really fun to see um dan your big mood um yeah my big mood is uh um i want to uh apologize to uh jim harbaugh um and this is like honestly (laughs) this isn't like me making a joke really um i feel really bad about all the things i tweeted and said about jim harbaugh in the offseason um i think that a lot of it was uh, coming from a place where the combination of being locked inside um, for months and then having to watch that horrendous team uh, really kind of broke my brain a little bit and made me say some things that I feel bad about. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I can't say enough about the job that he's done to just to be backed into a corner like that and to take a pay cut because you love the university and to put all the chips on the table and to just like get it, change everything about, you know, everything about the way you operate, but then also to, uh, to go back to your roots in terms of, you know, like the kind of offense you want to run. Um, it just, it, you know, and then to also, you know, and then, and then suffer a setback in the biggest game of the year, but, you know, turn it around to, or the biggest game of the year up to that point um, and then turn it around and, 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 you know, pull it out down the stretch. I mean, just like all time. Um, and uh, you can really tell like Jim Harbaugh loves this university. You could see like the weight lifted off his back, you know, after the game. And um, that was just awesome to see, honestly, like brought a tear to my eye. And I just feel really, really horrendous about um, how mean I specifically was uh, about, you know, Michigan's decision to retain him. And um, you know, a lot of the ways that things were going in the off season um, and uh yeah, I, I've just been totally owned, um, and I'm so genuinely sorry. Um, and I, I let my emotions get the best of me this offseason. Um, because I before then, I really, I never really called for Harbaugh's head, even when it got bad. Um, last year is really what broke me, um, and I should have, I should have been stronger. I should have seen the vision. <laughs> I mean, you should have, because like I never said anything bad about Jim Harbaugh or called him. <laughs> so. Dan was the <laughs> only person on this podcast, in fact. Uh, really shocking stuff. Uh, no, uh, I mean, I, I think we were all um, in a pretty difficult place with Jim Harbaugh after last season in, in um, various states of wanting him gone. And he certainly uh, didn't help himself in the offseason um, uh, for some people when he voiced his support for um, 
Bo Schembechler, uh, which would still like an apology. Uh, you know, that's still hanging out there. But everything else he's done has uh, gone uh, pretty much as well as you could possibly have hoped. And uh, just because it was difficult to see coming doesn't mean that Jim Harbaugh had not um, earned some benefit of the doubt given uh, – he has been a pretty good football coach for a long, long time now. Yeah, yeah, I think one thing I want to say, and this is definitely getting ahead of ourselves, and like I may have to, you know, walk this take back next year or something, or or like in the next few games, I don't know. But what you said about Harbaugh being a good football coach, we were all convinced, not just last year, but for years now. Um, the last few years have been this era of like the top teams were like, oh, we can just run, you know, spread to pass with every skill guy will be an NFL caliber guy amazing offensive lines and no one can stop it. And that, you know, that's been going on for a few years now, basically since Ohio state, I think Clemson might've inaugurated that era, but Ohio state, um, adopted it with terrifying speed. <laughs> in fact, you could see like, it's like, as, as has been said, like at halftime in the 2017 Michigan game, <laughs> basically. Um, and I think like Harbaugh never bought that and we were all mad at him for not buying it. And, and we wanted him to just, you know, go full, basically do, you know, become the, the mirror image of Ryan Day and in, in his approach on offense, et cetera. Um, I, you know, the dude was kind of right all along in that, like, I do think we're kind of seeing those, those elite spread attacks in college football are not quite as unstoppable as we thought, partly because guys like Mike McDonald are coming in with a blueprint, which is, and I, I don't want to run too long on this, but just the blueprint is keep everything in front of you, have defensive backs who can tackle guys after 12 yards instead of letting them go for 50 yards and make teams work in the red zone, uh, make them work for everything, but especially in the red zone. And Harbaugh, like what we're seeing with Michigan, I'm not sure this will be sustainable. What we're seeing is you can play man ball if you have good man ball personnel. And these teams that have recruited the defenses to stop the spread, I mean, they don't have a plan. Like they're linebackers that are, they're like basically defensive backs in Ohio State don't have a plan when they have 330 pounds of Zach Center in their face. So Harbaugh was kind of right all along in, in a weird way. Uh, I mean, and especially in an environment where these defenses are now built to stop those spread to pass offenses. And so you've got, you know, linebackers who are maybe better built to slide out into coverage than uh, try to take on a pulling guard. And yeah, um, you know, zigging when the rest of the country zags is uh, uh, has worked for a long time uh, for a lot of different coaches. And it's kind of taken a while, obviously, for the um, Harbaugh vision to kind of come into place and, and work well with the uh, assistant coaches that he's assembled around him. But um, I, I think we're now finally seeing what uh, what an offense, a modern Harbaugh offense can look like. And it's pretty dangerous. Uh, before we get to uh, more talk about the game, because let's be honest, we're going to talk a lot about this game. Uh, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Um, use the promo code BUCKETPROBLEM for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. I just want to say, you know who's not a Homefield school? Ohio State. And the Bucket Problem and Homefield Magic are undefeated against the Buckeyes. Not only that, but uh, Homefield has brought back the, uh, the Michigan champions of the West crew neck. Uh, get that while you can because uh, those tend to go fast. Um, so they brought back a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, 
if you happen to be listening to this on uh, Tuesday night before midnight, if we get this podcast out in time, uh, you can still get 20% off for their uh, Black Friday through Cyber Monday, uh, which got extended to Cyber Tuesday uh, sale. Uh, if not, still, holiday shopping, home field apparel, uh, they go together extremely well. Uh, yeah, you see how nice we can be, Homefield Connor, when you help us uh, beat our arch rival. Like, you just got to help us, and we'll be just incredibly <laughs> graceful and nice at all times. <laughs> yes, yes, we will never do uh, in an untoward ad read ever again. Uh, we won't talk at all about anything that happened to Indiana football this weekend. Um, definitely, I, I don't even know if they played, so you know, it's we won't, won't <laughs> yeah, mention we, anything there. <laughs> we we don't know if Dan slept on the couch because of his pick last week. <laughs> <laughs> I was super wrong about that one um, and uh she let me know about that <laughs> bit of a whiff um uh speaking of whiffs uh let's talk about ohio state trying to tackle hassan haskins they couldn't it was difficult um also haskins had uh over 100 yards rushing before contact in this game uh so he didn't even have to do a lot of his normal like bull through a couple guys in the backfield because Michigan paved these dudes. Um, so I don't even know where I'm going with this as much as I just want to say, like Hassan Haskins is very, very good and has been underrated for a long time. And this was a, a phenomenal showcase. And I'm so glad that he is going to go down forever as the guy who scored five touchdowns uh, when Michigan broke the streak. Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to say, so Hassan had a great game, but um. I feel like this wasn't even one of his best games this season. I feel like the offensive line just delivered him downfield consistently. I mean, how many times did he go through the line untouched and then, you know, made the most out of it. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting the, you know, who really won that game, it was the offensive line. And um, I don't say that at all to take away from Son Haskins who deserves to be, you know, an all-time Michigan hero for his performance uh, this, this, uh, this weekend. But um Really just, I thought, like a shockingly dominant uh, performance by the Michigan offensive line. I I have not seen a Ohio State team, I mean, even years where they had suspect defenses, they would always be tough up front. It would be like their linebackers, their safety level, or their secondary that wasn't great. Um, I've not seen them get dominated up front like that in a while. I, I don't know what you guys think. No, I mean, that's an all-time – uh, truly an all-time offensive line performance uh, from a program that has long prided itself on that. Like, there's just no, I mean, we're going to cherish that film forever. They just moved, they marched the Ohio State defense up and down the field and broke their spirits. Um, I mean, the one thing I will say for Asan Haskins, you know, because that in case we're diminishing his achievement, if he weren't splitting snaps with Corum this year, and Corum was kind of RB1, I think, at least at the start of the year, it seemed like. I mean, he could very well win the, have won the Heisman if he had the numbers that he might have. Um, yeah. If he were, yeah, if he were the just the clear workhorse back. I mean, it's you know, it's a Heisman worthy year in miniature, especially given what Michigan has achieved. I, I can't say enough good things about that dude. Like, I, I also think if you're a, if you're a high school running back recruit, you should clearly train for high jump because that's <laughs> you know, like his lower body is just so absurdly strong. Uh, I, yeah, I love Hassan Haskins. And um, he also jumps he over like one defender a game, which is yeah. a really <laughs> cool thing to be able to do. Gotta say, gave me a bit of a heart attack in that situation <laughs> that he like didn't quite need that one. I'll be real with you. It was awesome. I'm glad that he did it and I'm glad that it worked. But uh, he kind of had the ball out there, like bread, like holding it like a, a loaf of bread. And um, I was like, I'm like, we didn't quite need those extra three yards. 
to that situation. That, that loaf of bread was like 12 feet in the air. So you're right. It would have been fine. It would have been fine. But I was like, I was like, eh, you know, it, situational awareness. But no, it was, I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And Michigan also gets uh, some significant contributions out of their other two running backs, uh, even though they very much took a backseat to Haskins in this game. Uh, we had the 55-yard Blake Corum run that would have been a touchdown if he didn't have a bum ankle. Um, and then uh, Donovan Edwards makes maybe the catch of the year on a pretty casual, uh, like, I don't even know how many yards that swing pass gained, probably like seven. But uh, that pass was nowhere close to his body, and he very casually brought it in with one hand. Like, that was just something people do on a regular basis. And uh, that, yeah. that was not easy. I there's this Buckeye that I know who was shit talking me for like weeks before this game. He messaged me right after that play and he said, Okay, if Michigan's guys are doing that, we're gonna lose this game. And you know what? He was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, can I I wanna say something about Donovan Edwards, a uh, kind of a actual, you know, the first actual uh football point <laughs> we've made besides it's just not just like ex- being totally exuberant, but um I think that he I think a lot of people, when they hear like, you know, a threat out of the backfield, they just think like fast running back, you know, um, like kind of jitterbug running back. Um, and and that's part of it. Right. Like, I think um, I think Corm's good out of the backfield. He He's but he's not like a great like receiving threat. You know, he's kind of small. He's not necessarily a natural receiver in my in my personal opinion, from what I've seen this year. Um, he, he can absolutely get there. But like right now. Donovan Edwards is like that natural receiver. Like he is a, um, in that oh he God, could be a receiver, <laughs> right? Exactly. He's, he's got those ball skills like that, that, uh, he didn't quite make the catch on that, um, wheel route. They sent him up the sideline, but like, he caught that like a receiver. He's got hands like a receiver. He, he knows how to like, you know, like they can motion him out into empty and, a cornerback basically needs to go out and guard him. Like, and that's such a unique skill set. And I really think that, um, I think that he needs to be, you know, I mean, he's going to be right uh, next year, assuming that Haskins, Haskins leaves, which I'd imagine he would, but, you know, I'm certainly not forcing him out the door, but um, he, he can be like such a weapon. Um, he can be like that. Uh, oh my gosh. What is, what's the saints running backs name? I'm totally Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, like he can be that Alvin Kamara where you basically need to account for him as a running back and a full receiver on every snap. Um, and uh, he's going to be really, really good. Um, he, he hasn't got as many opportunities as he might on another team, just given, you know, how good Michigan's running backs have been, but he's really, really good. Absolutely. Um, we have not dug too much into the game plan yet. So uh, a tip of the cap to Josh Gaddis and that, uh, you know, we presume Jim Harbaugh also had uh, something to do with um, the way this came together. They ran. I mean, this was this was in a lot of ways a very Harbaugh game plan in terms of just running a lot of power and uh, counter and bash and at anything with pulling guards. Um, and Ohio State just wasn't really ever able to stop Michigan's base stuff. And then when they went to wrinkles, when they brought in J.J. McCarthy, um you know, when they dialed up pass plays, they they called up stuff that that um, caught Ohio State off guard and and played very well off of um, what they've been setting up all game. And that uh, I mean, that heading touchdown on the very first drive was a, a beautiful example of them just uh, basically scripting themselves touchdown. Um, and even as they went off script later, you know, after that first drive, um, it's still 
it almost felt scripted the way Michigan's drives were, were coming together and how they were able to move the ball down the field. Yeah. I, so Kevin Jones, who's a, one of the many, I've discovered this doing my schadenfreude tour. Cause like I, I'd ignored the world of Buckeye analysis prior to this. Cause you know, they had owned us previously, but they have a lot of great analysts who, who's <laughs> very Kyle sad. Jones, I think is who you're referring to. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I think there's, there are many great. Uh, yeah. Kyle Jones is a very good film guy. He basically said, he's like, look, I counted like, like 15 different run concepts that Michigan used in this game. I don't think Ohio State was prepared for the vast majority of them. So, like, it's what you're saying about, you know, Harbaugh, yes, and Gaddis, just, like, Michigan installed all of this stuff that a lot of it looks the same if you're just a casual observer, and I don't know how to identify, like, all the different nuances of it, but it's all kind of different. So Michigan installed, like, you know, a pretty much the full, like, pro man ball uh, run game playbook, and and in this game, they were able to run all of it, and Ohio State – was prepared for like maybe a third of it and couldn't even fit their runs. And this is where I get to say Ohio state's linebackers, man, that's, I don't think I've ever seen a recruiting star failure on part of their linebackers who do not know how to play football. It's kind of been like that for a few years there in terms of uh, not necessarily maximizing the talent at linebacker and oftentimes having those linebackers then immediately be good in the NFL. Um, uh, which uh, like Barrett Browning, he was like fighting for his starting spot. And now he's like a standout working in the NFL right now. Um, so yeah, there, there is some evidence that there might be a um, need for change in the Ohio state coaching staff, put it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this run game was just so perfectly called. I mean, they had, they really just had Ohio state's uh, front seven completely spinning um, by the end of it. They did not know where anything was coming. And um, I thought, you know, they, they use really subtle changes. Um, they've been using kind of uh, they've been using uh, their like counter GT, which is usually like a C gap run. Um, and they've just, they, they actually on Haskins won a touchdown into, I think 15 yard touchdown. I'm um, in the red zone. They basically had them completely pass up the defensive end and keep pulling outside and kind of run it like an arc. Um, and it was like devastating, like uh, Ohio state's entire offense or defense had, had crashed into the C gap and, you know, was like so worried about stopping the inside run that they just pulled outside. And I think like Haskins had like two blockers for one guy. I yeah. Mean, that was, was the one where Haskins just escorted Eric all into. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> it was, it was really, it was really something. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, and then the, the one, I mean, it was just so perfectly called. They, they, they also had on that same drive, the two plays where, um, Coram was in, I think, you know, one of two of his only snaps in the game, um, they, they finally ran, you know, like an, uh, basically a stretch play to take advantage of, of how hard uh, Ohio State's defensive line was trying to get upfield. And it was just wide open. Um, I mean, I've, it, it's just crazy. Everything they, everything they called worked. It felt like everything had a purpose. I mean, this was an all time game plan from, from Harbon Gaddis. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, something both you guys said in terms of the, um, variety of the the runs that Michigan was doing and the very subtle differences between them that I mean I've been analyzing football for a while and I have a very hard time picking up on this stuff both in real time and uh, even on the second and uh, subsequent watches um, but I think uh, it's something to remember you know kind of earlier in the season when you're watching Michigan and uh you know, they have some drives where it feels like they're kind of farting around and they, you know, run a couple plays that look pretty similar and don't gain much yardage. And then they're in third and long and end up having to punt. And you're like, what the hell was that? Well, that was 
uh, ideally them running some stuff that uh, eventually is going to work as well as most of Michigan stuff worked uh, against Ohio State last weekend. Because um, building a running game this complex absolutely takes some time. Uh, but if you're able to ramp up in the way that Michigan did and, and get it going by the end of the season, it, it's absolutely worth putting that time into it. But you don't have a lot of coaching staffs, I don't think, that are going to be able to put that level of nuance into uh, a running game and get the kind of payoff that uh, Jim Harbaugh was able to get from, and Josh Gaddis from, from this offense. We haven't shouted out the receivers yet. And uh, I do think that even though Michigan did not throw many passes, they, they deserve some mention because uh, um, when Michigan needed big plays in this game, uh, you know, Cornelius Johnson's only targeted three times, but he has two catches for 48 yards. They're both, really significant plays uh roman wilson two catches on two targets 55 yards um one helmet ripped off and uh one uh, penalty drawn um mike sane still one catch 34 yards um aj henning uh catches an uh a nine yard pass and also has the uh 14 yard touchdown run um there was even if it wasn't necessarily in the uh as pass catchers, because I think uh, when we go back and, and look through this again, these guys are also going to show up as being uh, pretty excellent downfield blockers. Uh, but, you know, when Michigan needed Cornelius Johnson to come through, he came through. Um, this might not be, you know, this isn't Ohio State's receiving core. These, this isn't going to be a bunch of first-round draft picks, but um, these guys are pretty talented, and most importantly, they did their jobs on Saturday. Yeah, this is going to be a scary receiving core next year, by the way. All these guys, plus Ronnie Bell coming back. Um, I mean, you know, Roman Wilson's really coming to his own. Cornelius Johnson's coming to his own. I think Mike Sanger still is – does not get enough love for his for how good of a perimeter blocker he is. Um, and just, you know, what – I mean, how good he's been as a receiver this year. I mean, I think he's, he's, he's had a really – absurd catches. He's made some cr- yeah. really, really good catches, and he's looked pretty explosive out there. I mean, this is a good receiving core, um, and, and they did a great job. Next year, this is going to be either the second or maybe even the best uh, receiving core in the Big Ten. I mean, obviously, all I say it's the competition there, and they're definitely going to have a lot of talent, but it's going to be a loaded group. Um, and I think, like, what you're saying about Sanders still is so important. This is with Ronnie Bell before he went down, but really the whole receiving core, like, talking about winning the off season, like clearly Michigan spent a lot of time in the off season, just working on blocking and tackling at every position, you know, when mm-hmm. that's on which side of the ball it's relevant and it paid off. Like that's, that's the old school football shit. All the receivers know how to block and they do it. Um, you know, I don't see Garrett Wilson doing a lot of that. Um, but I also wanted to, uh, uh, say one thing, which is that I think that Ohio state's coaches had the same bad take as Ohio state's analysts seem to have, which is, because Michigan was so run heavy this year, they were like, oh, well, we know Michigan can't really pass at all. Like, you know, Cade McNamara sucks. Like, they don't they don't have a passing game. And it's like, I don't know. Michigan hasn't wanted to pass that much. When they needed to pass in this game or wanted to, it was almost always there. Uh, I think you guys kind of played yourself with your belief that unless your quarterback is putting up 400 yards a game, he's not any good. So uh, thanks for the arrogance there, guys. <laughs> it is much appreciated. And uh, it is, I mean, Michigan do- doesn't have the the most dangerous receiving core in the country, but... Uh, I mean, I talked about this with Bill Landis on the um, subscriber podcast before the game, and um, it's very much come up in the aftermath of this game, which is that Ohio State did not really have like a star on this defense. Um, I mean, when I asked Bill last week who like the 
dude was on this defense. Uh, it was like maybe Zach Harrison, maybe Haskell Garrett. And that's like, okay. Um, given that I don't know if Zach Harrison would, Zach Harrison would not start on the edge of Michigan. Um, you know, maybe he could line up as a DT. Um, he is slow and pedestrian. Sorry to say. And, uh, you know, Garrett, Garrett's a heck of a player, but he's an interior defensive lineman who's not like a game wrecker. And uh, Ohio State does not have that uh, level of defensive back that they've fueled in the past that have uh, probably covered for some issues with the coaching because Kerry Combs is still their uh, secondary coach. So um, even though he got uh, justifiably demoted from being their defensive coordinator and play caller, uh, uh, you know, he's a hell of a recruiter and he's uh, helped produce some good players, but um, that might kind of, kind of be both a positive and negative in terms of the, uh, you know, why he's still around and what ends up on the field as a result. Um, so should we talk about the defense though? I feel like uh, <laughs> the defense that held the, the like best were... <laughs> offense in the country to 27 points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to say like, this was beyond my wildest dreams of what I like. I know that Ohio state's offense. That's, that's probably sounds weird to say because Ohio state's offense probably won the matchup generally. Right. I mean, like, you know, they were pretty efficient. Um, when, when it was all said and done. But the way Michigan slowed this Ohio State attack down, um, made big plays, you know, like got them behind the sticks, uh, did not allow them to get the running game going at all, um, got stops, forced field goals, all that, like just just so beyond what I expected of them. Um, the way this secondary played it is quite frankly unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I, I, I cannot believe these are the same guys that got pantsed by Ricky White, a guy that is no longer like playing football <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and then, the, you know, come out this year and just – totally hold. I mean, I wouldn't say totally hold down. You know, these, these receivers are really good. They made some plays, but I mean, there were no plays where like Ohio state receivers were just running open. It was either you're getting tackled after 10 yards or you're going to have to make a contested catch downfield after which you are getting tackled. They made them, they made Ohio state march the field and they made those drives take time, which ultimately is what like sealed this game. The fact that Ohio state had to like, they Ohio state scored to, you know, cut it to one to one possession game, but they had to use like five minutes to get there. And by then it was just like, okay, Michigan scored and the game was over. It was, you know, they they were back up by two scores and there were two minutes left and Ohio state didn't have any more time left. Um, And it was, it was an amazing defensive performance. And I mean, you can't say enough about Aiden Hutchinson. He comically dominated uh, some, from some first round picks at tackle. Um, So did David Ojabo. I mean, these guys are the best defensive end duo Michigan has ever had. I don't want to hear about some guys from the eighties or seventies or, or whatever, like <laughs> the 30s. These, this is <laughs> the, this, these are the best defensive ends Michigan has ever had. Aiden Hutchinson might be the best player. Mich- ah, I'm not going to say, you know, okay, Charles easy, very good. easy. <laughs> he's up there. This is the best. This is the best. He's the best defensive lineman that Michigan's ever had. I don't want to hear about anyone else. I mean, he's just a down, That's down in and de- easy, like but man. A, a down to down terror. Um, he is yeah. I mean, an absolute yeah. like I mean, I'll there, give you this uh, Aiden Hutchinson was and one dunking on these linemen I mean yeah, this was yeah. this was as dominant a defensive performance as and this is the best offensive remember. line in the country by the way like no yeah. ifs ands or buts maybe I mean, not anymore. at least statistically but it yeah. really not as good it, as ours but maybe number two yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean they're actually like they're legitimately not as good as our offensive line that doesn't mean they're bad but like they're not as good as ours. Um, and, and I actually don't want to take away from Ohio State's offense because I do think they are clearly like in a down year for like teams like Clemson and Bama. 
they're clearly the best offense in the country, like by far coming mm-hmm. into this game. And that's still true. Um, if you don't have guys like Hutchinson and Ojabo, it was still going to be hard to get pressure on them. And the receivers are absurd and they have, you know, an incredible running back and everything else. Um, I, I actually disagree with Dan. I think the defense clearly won this matchup. I mean, Ohio State's like two catches away from getting embarrassed to the point where I think there'd be people calling for Ryan Day's head, honestly. Um, it's only the receivers that showed out in this game. Uh, Stroud had okay stats, but he was shook, throwing off his back foot, got bailed out by his receivers a lot. Um, Under seven yards of drop back for him. Yeah, and Trevion Henderson, like I I think he would be the fourth running back in Michigan's running back room. I would good, not go that not... far. I would I, I actually would. I actually would. No, I think I I don't who would you take who would you put him above among uh Haskins, Corum, and uh Edwards? I would uh, put him above any of those guys. I would love to I see mean, Travion Henderson run behind Michigan's line. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, really good. Edwards, but I no, I'm not putting him above Edwards. I think if Edwards were starting this year, he was a better recruit in my opinion. Re- regardless, <laughs> Trevion Anderson, very good. We don't need to uh, get too. Far. Yeah, yeah, but my is, point is, is just like, my, okay, whatever. But I mean, yes, I, no, I'm just saying, uh, yeah. I mean, All right, so here's here's a, here's the point I want to make though is like Michigan's personnel showed out. They obviously won the offseason. I keep saying that because it's so impressive and true. And they got better over the course of season two. Like the defensive line, the interior defensive line, steadily got better to the point where. They also looked clearly better than Ohio State's, which was supposed to be one of the best in the country. I mean, Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton, holy shit, you guys. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and like I, Donovan un- Jeter came through with a huge play in this game. Like you, there were, they were guys, yeah. Mike Morris, like dudes made plays on the interior though. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, and I think Hutch, Hutchinson, like Hutchinson better than either Bosa or Chase Young, eat, eat that Ohio State. Um, but like the secondary is what I really want to talk about because it's like, Ohio State guys were crow- like I, Ohio State guys were crowing like, well, just that corner that's coming back next year, he got torched. I was like, when the, cor- the corners never got torched. They were either right on top of the guy or they were intentionally playing behind to make a tackle. And here's I'm going to toss out a theory very quickly here, which is I think we underrate tackling because in an era where you know receivers are going to win a lot of the elite receivers are going to win a lot of one-on-one matchups, the most important thing then becomes being in position to make a tackle so that a 15 yard play doesn't become a 50 yard play, which is what all these offenses desperately want is a 50 yard play. And Michigan has that. And McDonald's, I mean, I, I don't have to say about that guy. Unbelievable. Like, I, I don't unbelievable how good of a job he did. He, he's barely older than me. He came in, <laughs> he took one of the worst units in the country last year and made it one of the best units in the country. Uh, he installed an NFL offense in with college players who were dejected and demoralized in one year. And they learned all of it and they do it. I don't even, I don't know where to start, but like, I think he kind of undressed Ryan day in this matchup. Honestly, like he got the better of day, got the better of that offense. And it's not because they're bad. It's just because Michigan's defense, I pitched a perfect game. I'd like to add some context to this because um, it's incredible when you look at it from the lens of where we were at the end of last season and where, where we thought we were heading into the season. Um, Michigan's top three players uh, by snap count on defense, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, were DJ Turner, Vincent Gray, and Rod Moore. Rod Moore is a freshman three-star safety. Um, Jamon Green, the only cornerback we thought was worth a damn after last year, played two snaps. And Ohio State had one pass play longer than 26 yards. That's astounding. (laughs) The fact that Vincent Gray looked like he belonged on the field with Garrett Wilson is I, if you had told me that, if you had told me just, Oh, Vincent Gray is going to like do a decent job on Garrett Wilson at the beginning of this year. I, 
I mean, like that, that would have, I just wouldn't have believed you. Like, if I you don't. told me those snap counts, I would have thought Michigan lost by 60. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable how much better every single player on this defense is. It's unbelievable that Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith and the rest of this interior defensive line held up so well against this run game and, and just limited them to like three yards per carry outside of, you know, that one long run. Um, and it's, I mean, yeah, the, the whole thing, everything about this defense is just so unbelievably better than last year. Um, and I, I, I'm just in awe of, of how, what a good job Mike McDonald's done, um, you know, pay him whatever he needs to stay here. Uh, Cause that's the kind of guy you want to keep around your program. Cause he's, he's, he's young and he's already one of the best coordinators in, in college football. Yeah, we might need to cherish him while he's here because uh, Blake Corum on a bum ankle had a better had a longer play than anything Ohio State had from scrimmage this game. <laughs> um, one quick thing I want to talk about that one um, the one throw that JJ McCarthy made since you know we haven't really gotten a chance to marvel at a JJ McCarthy <laughs> throw in a second. It's true, damn dude, like. <sighs> It makes me kind of like sad because I start thinking about like the off season and how like he's going to have a full off season in the, in, you know, to get, get used to the playbook and what that probably means for Cade McNamara. And it starts to make me sad. Um, I don't want to think about that now. The vibes are too good. I want, I like, I love (laughs) Cade McNamara. He's a fucking hero. And like, he played an awesome game. Um, But every time I see JJ McCarthy make a throw like that, I'm like, shit, man, like that is unbelievable. Until we have to discuss it seriously, they're both going to win a co-Heisman next year, and we're sticking with that take until we have to do otherwise. So, yeah, um, but I, to- I totally agree with you. I also, um, yeah, I want to say something about like like Rod Moore. I mean, again, a three-star from Ohio. That there's something that we've all been cackling at privately is that um, there's a meme going around even among the smart Buckeyes analysts that like every Michigan starter is a sixth-year senior. They think Dax Hill's been there for like seven years or something, which <laughs> I I don't know where they got that one from. Nope. But like. And it's like, I got bad news for you guys. Michigan played a bunch of first and second year players in this game, a lot of whom look like they have star potential. Um, I, you mentioned like Rod Moore. Like, I think Mike Morris is going to turn out to be a really big contributor for Michigan. Smith and Hittner Young. Like, I mean, Jalen yeah. Carroll came yeah. through with a thunderous tackle. And like, guys that you didn't even expect to like see the field in this game contributed. This defense looks loaded at every position next year. Um, you know, potentially besides they're going to have to find some new edge rushers. Um, Cause I do not think a job is long for Ann Arbor, unfortunately, no. but we don't have to talk about that yet. Um, it's, it's everyone. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, they, they get even on, you know, on offense, it was the same thing. It's, it's crazy how many legitimately positive contributions everyone made, you know, like, there were Corum was only in for a handful of plays and he made them all count. JJ McCarthy was only in for a handful of plays and he made them all count. Um, you know, they drew up one play for Mike Sainristoli, made it count. Like it's everyone did their part um, to, 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 you know, to realize this, this victory. And, and it was just awesome to see. Yeah. I, I want to mention by name, uh, Andrew Vistardis, Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter, the three interior offensive linemen, because given how much Michigan pull guys in that game and, and what the hell let's throw Ryan Hayes and Andrew Stuber in there too, the two tackles. Um, Cause Michigan was probably pulling every damn, damn buddy in that game. So, uh, I mean, an unbelievable job by the offensive line, an unbelievable job up and down the depth chart, up and down the lineup, and all through the coaching staff, uh, which is uh, really fantastic to have in the most important game of the year and what now stands as the biggest Michigan win in a very long time. We'll, we'll go with a very long time. 
anything else we want to we want to discuss about uh, this game before we um, discuss Iowa, I guess, for a little bit, and then make our picks? Because uh, yeah, I just have a very quick. I think the one person we didn't shout out yet was Josh Ross. Had an absolutely devastating tackle mm-hmm. uh, on Travion Henderson. Broke through the line. I mean that, and he had the neck roll on. Like it's like night. It's like it's like in 1995 all over again. Um, and forced Ohio State to punt, which is actually like that might have been the biggest defensive down in the game. That was in a huge. Lot of ways. Um, yeah, that like, and, and opened a perfect up the blitz dialed up by McDonald there that shot him through a gap before anyone could get over. Yeah, and Ross is a guy. He's been at Michigan for a long time. He he's a Michigan guy. His brother played there and has also coached there a bit. Like he's had injuries. He's you know had some good moments and some moments where he was not playing well and getting maligned. Like it's just the whole classic journey of a guy who sticks around, becomes a team leader. And gets to have this beautiful moment. And like, that's what, that's what this is all about, man. Like you just can't, you can't watch him on Saturday and not feel happy. So shout out to Josh Roth. Yeah. And you know, he's a Detroit kid. He's not the only one on the team. And you know that there were, you know, those guys all are pretty close that a lot of them played youth football together before they ended up playing for different high schools. So um, I'm sure there were a bunch of cast tech and King and, uh, East English Village and all those guys, I, I'm guessing, uh, um, might have felt even a little bit extra um, from from watching this game. And I think this was, I mean, uh, pretty cathartic for for a lot of the recent graduates as well. So um, just a just a delightful program victory, and one that has um, sent Ohio State's fan base into a uh, delightful tailspin. So um, we're we're liking things over here. Um, we were going to do a brief interlude to discuss Brian Kelly to LSU, which is just the weirdest fit of school and coach since um, Rich Rodriguez at Michigan, which uh, um, let's not discuss that any further. Um, but if that's any indication, uh, uh, Brian Kelly to LSU is going to go great. It's it's going to produce a lot of content. Um, and uh, we will see if Brian Kelly is uh, carried out on a casket um, the first time he ever tastes gumpo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just want to say my, my only thought about that is like, Brian Kelly, one of the most pretentious like assholes in on the planet, is now going to have to like to to you know curry favor, <laughs> yeah, curry favor among. And this is not me saying anything negative about Louisianans. Okay, I find them all very endearing and charming, but I do not think Brian Kelly will feel that way. And I I I just could see. I I think he's going to really look down upon a lot of people and immediately like piss everyone off and be gone in like two years. That is my, that is well, my take. I, I'm going to defend this hire a little bit because LSU, like Ed Orgeron, you know, his, his visage, his face is a majestic shade of purple that matches the uh, LSU uniforms. And LSU was clearly thinking we have to find the most purple coach <laughs> in America. Brian Kelly also has a majestically, you know, just deep magenta face when he's coaching on the sideline. And so I, I think that's, that's really key here. It might work out. You know, it, it, it just might. Um, and now we move on to Iowa, who is Michigan's opponent in the Big Ten Championship game, because I don't think we've even mentioned it yet that Michigan's playing in the Big Ten Championship game for the first time this weekend, um, which is, uh, a, you know, what happens when you beat Ohio State for the, for the Big Ten East title, apparently. We're, we're, we're learning new things. Um, with Iowa, I mean, we talk shit about the team all season, and, and why should we stop now? Um, at, you know, their offense... They're they're going if Ohio State struggled to score points against Michigan and move the ball um, consistently. I, I mean, 
Iowa is currently trying to figure out whether they will be starting Alex Padilla or Spencer Petras at quarterback. And that seems like a bad place to be going against this Michigan defense. Yeah. So um, apparently it is going to be Spencer Petras. Um, I, I, I said this, like, I, I think this is just, it, it, first of all, I'll say this is all of a sudden kind of like a, a pretty, like all the pressures on Michigan kind of game um, because I feel like uh, you want to make this count, right? Like it, the, the winning against Ohio State was great. And I, I do hope it pretends like them, you know, more consistently being competitive in this rivalry, but you don't know when you're going to get back here again. Right. Um, so, and this is a pretty golden opportunity against what by my estimation is at least the second best team in the, uh, in the West. Um, so I, you know, that they're, they're like 10, they're 10 and a half point favorites go out and win this game. Um, you know, you know, take care of business here. Um, and I think it's a really good matchup for Michigan. Uh, you know, Spencer Petrus is really bad. Um, <laughs> and beyond that, he's also a statue. Um, this is the most like dinosaur ass offense in the entire, like even Wisconsin runs a more modern offense than this. Um, yeah. It is a, a, an offense in the nineties in SP plus, which is horrendous for a power five team. Um, and in the nineties in time period, one might say. <laughs> yeah, that might be generous. Um, but uh, you know, the, they, they, they really struggle in pass protection. So, you know, I mean, I don't see this team like getting, uh, getting any passes off on third and long. They don't have athleticism at receiver. Um, so they, they can't really take advantage of Michigan's like, I guess, you know, I wouldn't even call it a weakness anymore, but relative weakness in the secondary. Um, I mean, I, and they don't run any tempo or college stuff that has given Michigan a little bit of problems this year. Like Michigan's going to have a nice long time to just get set up in whatever defense they want to get set up in. They can put as many defensive linemen on the field as they want. You know, there's a good matchup for their three, four defense, kind of similar to Wisconsin was earlier in the year. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't see this offense scoring more than, you know, 10 points. Um, and uh, on on defense, oh, Iowa has a very good defense, but this is like such a bog standard Iowa defense. You know, it is as unathletic as it gets. They all know their assignment, but, you know, they can be beat by speed on the edge. Um, and they stop the run pretty well, but they're not particularly heavy up front. And I could see, I feel like Michigan's uh, run game is kind of like a given at this point against anyone. Um, so, I think Michigan's gonna gonna move the ball efficiently and you know kind of like slow motion blow this team out, kind of like you know thirty one ten or something like that. Yeah, I think like what's interesting is in theory and on paper, Iowa has good stats against the run this year. Um, but you know who had even better stats against the run? Hmm. The Buckeyes of Ohio State. Um, and so yeah, I believe I, I'm with Dan here. Like Iowa, isn't it? I mean, they they run they run cover two mostly, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Infamous. Yeah. I mean, they're famous infamously. Like they run it to perfection and Phil Parker is very good at teaching it and et cetera, et cetera. Um, by the way, I think Phil Parker makes like 300 grand and is like, you know, was a Broyles candidate this year. I don't know what Kirk Ferentz has on that guy, but it must be real bad. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, I just like, I think what's interesting with I, like, as Dan, you know, I think that they run cover two to perfection. Um, they, they're kind of the inspiration for a lot of Michigan ran, runs a lot of cover two. And, you know, with cornerbacks who, whose athleticism is not their strength. So we're kind of like, you know, I'm sure we watched some Phil Parker film in the offseason. Um, but what they really want is for you to throw a pick. And the good news for Michigan is Cade McNamara very rarely does that. 
And I just don't think Michigan's going to throw much unless Iowa forces them to do so. And on defense, like I, the big fear for me on defense is just that Michigan fails to bring intensity. Cause I know that I, like, Iowa, they are a tough team. They're a physical team. They're a team that always has like a bunch of eighth year seniors, you know, all the, all the big 10 West cliches you can throw out there. And so Michigan just needs to not pull an Ohio state when they get punched in the mouth at some point by Iowa, they need to not wilt. Um, and they need to keep their composure. I think honestly, keeping your composure and sticking what you've done all year is the real key to this game. Yeah. Um, I was going to look up, I was like rushing split stats um, on the fly and uh, went to their uh, defensive situational stats um, and uh, realized they haven't played a ranked team. So uh, Wait, what? Like a currently ranked one? <laughs> they they have not played a currently ranked team. Uh, Holy shit. They, they, played, they played Wisconsin, right? Yeah, Wisconsin what, what happened to Wisconsin anymore? this week? <laughs> Wisconsin they should be ranked. That's, that's yeah. I mean, yes, in in theory, but also in theory, Nebraska should be good enough to be ranked. Um, and also, they only beat Nebraska by seven. Um, Wisconsin yeah. beat this team twenty-seven to seven. Purdue beat this team twenty-four to seven. Yeah, no, I mean, this it, look, this defense is really good in the advanced stats, and that's a little bit boggling to me. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not far be it for me to criticize, uh, you know, base Bill Connolly. Um, but, uh, I just think that I've seen, like, I watched Purdue play this team. They just like passed the ball, you know, they just passed the ball like pretty efficiently. Like they didn't, it was nothing special. Like they just had athletes on the outside and pretty easily tore this defense up. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, Iowa Illinois wants you scored... to go for big plays and make mistakes. <laughs> and that's not really what Michigan tries to do. Right. Exactly. At all. Like, this is like this is a this is a passing defense that is designed to uh, like keep things in front of you and like wait for college quarterbacks to like make mistakes. And Cade has just been so mistake averse. I just I, I have a hard time seeing like a better matchup for Michigan as far as like getting a le- you know as far as like legitimate opponents go. You know, I mean it's it's it, this is a bad offense that plays in a Michigan strengths as like you know. An, uh, an NFL style defense. And this is a, you know, an, a defense that play, this is a good defense, but one that also plays in a Michigan strengths in terms of like, you know, they have, they have things in the playbook to get things on the outside and to let their athletes be athletes, but they'll, they'll, they'll also be able to run the ball in power situations. Um, they don't get behind the chains very much. Their quarterback doesn't make mistakes. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, I'm not looking at this game as a walkover, but no. I think it's a really good matchup. I, I, I would, yeah. I will say this. I was very happy that, um, that Minnesota won because I was a little bit worried about playing Wisconsin again. Cause I do think Wisconsin's good still, but yeah, um, that's yeah. true. Except that Graham Mertz like sees Aiden Hutchinson in his nightmares, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah. soon Spencer Petras will, because like he is literally the slowest quarterback in America and that's not a good thing to be in this situation. Um, I, I do think it's funny. Like what Dan said about matchups, it's like, Iowa will invite like Iowa has made the, the very good choice the way that the modern game is to be like we'll invite teams to try to run for four or five yards at a time. Michigan is literally the last team in the country that you want to invite to run for four to five yards. We'll, they will we'll fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, and we'll do it again. I don't care. Yeah. Like Jim Harbaugh. What, like if we half- <laughs> yeah. what if we run for four and a half yards of carry, huh? <laughs> Jim Harbaugh's like, yeah, no, four plus four plus four is 12. I only need 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys want to uh, guess um, what date Spencer Petras last threw a touchdown pass? Let's see if I can remember. 
Um, you might have a better chance than most. Gosh, did I? I'm trying to think of like, I don't know. Did is it's got to be in October? Was it? Did he? Did he throw one against? Uh, God, who did they play before Purdue? That they, was it. Penn State? Did he yes. throw one against Penn State? You have yeah. nailed it. Uh, that was <laughs> wow. October 9th. He threw two touchdowns <laughs> against Penn State. Purdue, no touchdowns, four picks. Um, Wisconsin, nine for 19 for 93 yards. And then he gets hurt in the Northwestern game. Uh, did not play in the two games. After that, uh, comes back in against Nebraska when uh, Alex Padilla is struggling and goes um, an incredible seven for 13 for 102 yards, which for him is legitimately one of his top three performances of the season. And he did not throw a touchdown, uh, but also kept a clean sheet, didn't throw, throw a pick. Um, that has not normally been the case for him. I also pulled up his split stats, and uh, we obviously cannot do the um, ranked versus unranked thing, but we can do winning and not winning. Against non-winning teams, 500 or worse, um, Spencer Petrus has uh, completed 60% of his passes at 7.6 yards an attempt with five touchdowns and one pick. He averages 19 attempts in those games. Uh, against winning teams, he is forced to throw it more because Iowa is not as good. Um, he throws it 28 times a game. Uh, he completes only 57% of his passes for 5.7 yards an attempt with four touchdowns and five picks. When Spencer Petras faces a defense with a pulse, he is a bad quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and Michigan's defense is, well, I guess it's not the best he's going to see all year because, you know, Wisconsin's is very good. Um, but it's on par with that, right? And it's on par. I with would Penn say Michigan has more upside than Wisconsin's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the pass rush alone is just on such another level. I mean, this guy again. This offense is not going to do him any favors. I think you know it's uh, Brian Fer- Brian Ferentz, right? Is their OC yes. like one of the like notoriously worst offensive coordinators in the country? Um, he's just going to like line up with zero tempo. Michigan's going to have time to get into whatever exotic look they want to give, you know, change the coverage pre-snap. And, you know, it's just going to be a total roulette. You know, if, 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 uh, <laughs> if Spencer Petras even like throws to the, to a receiver that's running a route, I mean, I don't, I don't see how this passing game is in any way efficient. This running game, I think, you know, was, they do have a good run blocking offensive line, um, you know, highlighted by, uh, Oh, gosh, who's their center? Um, is like an all-American. They um, always have one of those. They always have an all-American center, and so so this running game will you know will get you know their I would say like three to four yards a pop and like have some decent runs, but eventually this team's going to end up in a passing down, and those are going to go horrendous for them. Yeah, it's interesting. Their their offensive line, depending on where you look, like their offensive line is either decent at stuff rate or like allows a few too many zero and negative yard play plays it depends on kind of which way you're breaking it down i guess i i've like i've seen different stats from different places and it's almost confusing but like um they very much seem like more of a line that's going to like avoid being bad than go paving teams like michigan does to people so and they also have not been a great pass blocking line and um so i'm guessing iowa has a lot of trouble scoring against michigan and for michigan this comes down to um, not contributing to Iowa's uh, 22 interceptions um, and plus 13 turnover margin. Um, so, I, I mean, this is a defense that is solid uh, if you're not giving them the ball, um, but they don't have 
know, there isn't an AJ Epinesa out there. There isn't some, you know, Josie Jewell, somebody who's like really scaring you in the front seven. Um, so I think Michigan's going to be able to run their offense on these guys. And then it's just a matter of like, just execute relatively well and don't get into some weird game where mistakes start to snowball. Um, Cause as long as that doesn't happen, Michigan should be able to line up and win against these guys pretty much across the board. Yeah. I think the game plan here, I would just go dust off the Washington game plan, honestly, on both sides of the ball. Like it's, it's a secondary you don't want to throw at much and, yeah, and the John Donovan offense again. So <laughs> yeah, establish it. Um, we're not going to say it ironically this time. Uh, anything else before we move on to picks this week? My only thing I wanted to say was uh, I remember back when I was doing my like quarter big 10 quarterback previews before the 2020 season. Um, I was like, I'm like, okay, who's Iowa's quarterback, like figured out was going to be this kid, Spencer Petrus, who like we hadn't you know seen before. And I watched his like high school huddle tape. Cause that was all there was for him. Um, this is when I was really like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a serious, you know, sports, sports <laughs> blogger. Um, I've given that up since that's a lot of work. Eh? So I don't know why you do it. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, I was watching his like high school huddle and like most, you know, D1 athletes like really stand out. Like even if they're a pocket passer, they're like a lot faster than the kids they're playing against. And he took off to run a couple times. I'm like, damn, this kid is slow. And I'm watching him against like Iowa high schoolers or wherever he was from. And I'm like, oh, no, I think he's actually from California. But regardless, I'm like, he's slower than he's noticeably slow against high schoolers. He is an absolute like this is a Navarre level statue. That's just I just wanted to, to mention that. So. I deeply appreciate that Kirk Ferentz went all the way to California to get a guy <laughs> who is the most Iowa quarterback. <laughs> He went far and wide for that. I, I do expect, uh, given the way I expect Iowa's offense to run and given um, Petrus's relative immobility and the way Michigan uh, plays defense, I think we're going to see Alex Padilla too. I mean, like I, I, I just expect we're going to get both Iowa quarterbacks in here at some point. So ju- just to read off uh, Padilla's stats in, in case anybody is um, particularly concerned about that, um, he is completing 46% of his passes for 6.2 yards an attempt, but he's thrown two TDs and only one pick. So, you know, um, he's got that going for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all think Michigan's going to win this game. We'll get our official picks in right about now. Our picks, as always, are brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BUCKETPROB. That is Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet when you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature on the app to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Just throwing a couple of odds out there on this one before we get into the picks. Um, Michigan now has the second best odds on points bet. Uh, as of Tuesday evening to win the national championship. Uh, it's still six to one They're at plus 600 because uh, um, Georgia is a minus 190 favorite, uh, relatively overwhelming when it comes to those sort of things. Alabama third in the national title odds at plus 650. And then you get to Cincinnati at plus 1300 and Notre Dame at plus 1500. Notre Dame is one of the top teams in the national title odds and uh, their head coach just left. Really? Really remarkable stuff. Um, Michigan is also minus 450 to make the playoff, though I would not necessarily recommend uh, doing that particular prop bet. 
because you can essentially get the same thing by betting Michigan's money line against Iowa because I cannot possibly imagine a scenario in, in which Michigan wins this game and does not make the playoff. And uh, that's minus 440. So you get a tiny little bit less uh, juice to the house by just betting that's, that's that a little, That's a little pro-gambling move for Mitch right there. There you go. <laughs> um, and uh, speaking of which, um, after last week, uh, in which I once again, for the second straight week, um, won the picks. I went four and two. Uh, Alex and Connor won't, both went three and three. And Dan, because he did not believe his girlfriend, went two and four. Um, things have really tightened up at the uh, the top of the pick standings. Um, Connor is 37, 30, and three this season. I have picked one fewer game and had one fewer win. That is the only difference between us. Um, Dan pick, has chosen to pick a few more games. He is 37, 33, and three. Um, and Alex, um, who is not on this podcast, so we can say it's kind of bullshit that you haven't picked as many games as this, Alex. You're 27, 23, and three. Percentage wise, he's probably doing better than us, but uh, I'm going to go with games above 500 just so we uh, can keep this, uh, you know, because, you know, volume is also good in gambling because you can produce more money that way. So, well, you want to be picky, you also want to be in there every week. Um, yeah, that's, so, that's the, that's the, that's the real uh, lesson of gambling is it's good to bet more so you yes, can win yes. more money <laughs> yes. bet early and bet often. Uh, uh, one thing I want to note before diving into we're so we are obviously not doing big 10 picks this week because there's only one big 10 game, although we will pick it. Um, but we are doing, uh, a, um, sampling of conference title games, uh, including, uh, the Mac title game. Uh, I almost left the pack 12 out in favor of the Mac but uh, decided to keep both of them in there. Um, but before we dive in, I want to say that th- this tweet came from Bill Connolly when I was uh, trying to get an edge on uh, picking these lines. Um, he is the proprietor of SP Plus, obviously, um, at ESPN. And he tweeted, God, early lines are within two and a half points of the SP Plus projection on eight of 11 games this week and within three points of eight of 11 over-unders. I don't even need to post the SP Plus projections this week. So... He hasn't posted the SP Plus projections, at least as, as recently as I've seen him. But uh, if he did, they were going to be of little help because they are basically the Vegas Lions. So um, they have gotten sharp to this point. So you're, I mean, I did to say bet early and bet often. You do want to be kind of picky with these because um, these teams are relatively known commodities at this point. And uh, yeah, they're relatively known commodities at this point, which makes it uh, difficult to kind of get an edge on Vegas in that regard. Uh, we are going to start in the back, Kent State. Three-point favorites uh, versus Northern Illinois, the fighting Rocky Lombardis, um, who are plus 135 on the money line. Total for this game, 74 and a half. I like Kent State in this one. Um, the Golden Flashes were actually one of my uh, preseason favorites. Took the, uh, um, on the advice of, uh, I believe it was Split Zone Duo. Um, it was either that or Flipping the Field. I apologize to one of those podcasts for screwing it up. Um, but uh that I took the over on them in the preseason and they have uh, been a very pleasant surprise for me this year in terms of being able to hit that and hit it uh, with relative ease and look good doing it. Um, whereas Northern Illinois has had kind of uh, some inconsistencies this season. They've looked very good in some games, less so in others. Um, so I'm going to go with Kent state in this one. Uh, and I appear to be alone on this Island. Um, Connor, what's your pick? Yeah, so I think Dan and I are in agreement here, and I'm going to steal uh, some of his thunder by just saying what we're both thinking, which is I am not going to let Rocky Lombardi own me one more time on the way out the door <laughs> in his career. <laughs> so um, I have to pick the fighting Lombardis, which, by the way, like 
we projected them to be like one of the worst teams in the country when they Horrible. were in play Michigan. They're eight and four. Yeah, they're yeah. eight and four, and they're in the MAC title game. They actually had a good season. Um, so good for you, Rocky. Like you have an amazing football name. I'm not going to besmirch it in this pick. So good luck, Husky. Dan, anything to add? Yeah, no. Uh, I, I just want to let it be known that I respect and uh, and cherish Rocky Lombardi. Um, my favorite, <laughs> definitely my favorite Spartan of all time. He rules. <laughs> Uh, I did deeply appreciate him uh, uh, shit-talking Michigan's uh, fans while down, like, 40 points or whatever it was at the time. Uh, that, that Man, you know what? Stuff. He's earned it. He's earned it. I got to be honest <laughs> with you. He owned us pretty hard. Yep. No, he's, he did, he's got yeah. that forever. Congratulations, Rocky Lombardi. Um, and you might own me one more time. Uh, and if you do that, I will have no choice but to laugh. Um, the Pac-12 title game, because somebody has to win that conference. Uh, Oregon is three-point underdogs against Utah. Uh, total on this one is 59 points. Uh, I like Utah on this one. They have just been, uh, once again, this is a uh, consistency over um, maybe the more explosive team uh, pick in this one. I just think Utah is very well coached. Um, and I think they they just kind of, they've been the same program for a while. They, they, they run the ball. They play good defense. Um, Oregon, again, a little less consistent in that regard. Um, and I mean, they damn near lost to Stanford. Um, and that stands out to me as much as uh, their victory over Ohio State, which has been greatly cheapened by Michigan, uh, which is delightful. Um, so I'm going with the Utes. Um, Connor, uh, I think you're, you're thinking similarly. Yeah, I mean, Utah is kind of Pac-12 Michigan. They like to manball it up. Very physical team. Um, and I think Kyle Whittingham is a very good coach. I also think like, well, so actually the reason I picked this very quickly was because right after that game, the Buckeye analysts were thinking about Rose Bowl possibilities and it was delightful to see them be like, we don't want any of that Utah smoke. I don't want to face like a man <laughs> ball running attack again. So, I mean, for me, that kind of swung it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I kind of like Utah and, you know, in, in a future where like Kyle Whittingham, we're actually, we're not like as old as Jim Harbaugh. I might see him as like an interesting future Michigan coach, but yeah, go Utes, baby. Dan, you've got the contrarian choice uh, because of the first result of this uh, met in this matchup this season, but uh, maybe not in the way people would expect. Yeah, no, purely because um, I, I, I when when there's a matchup, I always bet on the uh, on the team that lost last time. Um, so it, it's hard to say that you know Utah. I mean, Utah was obviously very dominant when they played Oregon last time, um, but it's hard to beat. I think Oregon's still a good team, and it's hard to beat a good team twice. So I'm going with Oregon. I like the first result personally. Um, all right. Uh, big 12 title game because they still get to have one for a little bit here. Um, or at least one that people maybe care about, uh, Baylor plus five and a half, um, and plus one seventy five on the money line against your favorite coming off a, a, an actual win in Bedlam, which is really the, the, the most Bedlam thing that can happen in Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma state, um, minus five and a half over under 46 and a half for this game. Not, not particularly high. Um, that would maybe make me lean towards the total, but, uh, I think in the end I'm going with, uh, Oklahoma state, although this is probably the game that I am most likely to stay away from. Uh, but, um, you know, they've, they've got, I guess, an outside playoff shot right now. I, I just think Oklahoma state has a lot to play for and they're going to, uh, hopefully continue riding that momentum from, from the win against Oklahoma. Um, Dan, you've got the, uh, the other side of this 
Yeah, um, I, I, I watch, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for Oklahoma State. I've always kind of had a soft spot for them because uh, I think I is my Mike Gundy, I feel like has something problematic about him that I'm forgetting about, but I think he's uh, yes. cool because I like his mullet. Yeah, okay, that's fine, but I think he's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and um, I, uh, I, I generally just like, I, I feel like Oklahoma State is kind of our, you know, kindred spirit in terms of being a team that was never able to beat their, uh, their very hateable, um, you know, uh, rival. Um, and uh, I will, so I'm glad they won Bedlam, um, but I'm going to go with Baylor here. Um, I feel like Baylor's are Baylor's like the ultimate spoiler of the uh, of the Big Twelve, and five and a half points is too many. I could definitely see Oklahoma State winning, but I feel like they'll win by like a field goal. I I wasn't blown away by Oklahoma State. I feel like they're you know they're 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 a good solid team, but I don't think they have anything that really blows me away. Um, and uh, but I I do think um, I also want to say like this whole the whole uh, pack uh, Big Twelve title thing is like so ridiculous. Like if you, they're they're lucky in that they're the only conference that hasn't like the the correct amount of teams, you know, that you could just play around Robin and have an actual conference winner. This whole thing where the top two teams play each other for the conference championship is ridiculous, um, and I hate it. And if you if you have enough teams that everyone can play everyone, that should be the conference winner. There's no need to do this. It's it's silly, um, and uh, you know, I, I I don't know. That's 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 my take there. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to go with Oklahoma winning, Oklahoma State winning, but Baylor covering. Yeah, um, we should note that this game has already been played this season, and Oklahoma State won 24 to 14, but that was at home. So, you know, knock off three points for the home field advantage. And uh, Connor and I are right because, Connor, you also had the pokes. Yeah. So my reasoning here is that Waco is like famously the worst college town in America. Um, I, 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 not just college I wish town, them only like just place. <laughs> yeah. It's just a horrible place. Um, I don't want anything good to ever happen to Baylor. And I do think Oklahoma State's a little bit better. I, I think shout out to Mike Gundy for being like <clears throat> one of the few people in the big 10, a uh, big 12 in the last 10 years. who's actually like, had a defense. Um, <laughs> I respect that. And like, and also, you know, deep cut for people who actually read books. I want Brian Phillips to be happy. So uh, wow. here we go. All go right. pokes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this is uh, the other one that we are going to be paying most, uh, the closest attention to on the big 10 championship game. That is of course the sec title game, Georgia, six and a half point favorites against Alabama, who is plus plus one ninety on the money line. Total on this one, 50 and a half. Um, I'm taking the over, which is kind of a way of saying I I have a feeling Alabama is going to make this competitive, but I don't know. I But I'm, that line, the spread scares me a little bit, and I think that total is a little low, even given how good Georgia's defense is, because Alabama just has so many good playmakers. And also Georgia has a, a, a lot of playmakers on offense, and this has not been – a vintage Alabama defense. So um, I'm avoiding the spread and taking the over in this one. Uh, Connor, uh, you're going with the spread and which, which side are you taking? There's a saying in investing. It's like, you know, invest your thesis, stick with your, like your core theory about the market. And my core theory about college football right now is that we're seeing these like unstoppable elite personnel passing spreads. As I mentioned earlier, slow down a little bit. And, and obviously Bama's a participant in that. Um, Georgia might have a historic defense. They might very well be the best team in the country. I think most people think they are, you know, with a gun to the head right now. Um, 
And this is, so far, has looked like one of Saban's worst Bama teams, which is not a, not too big of an insult because these teams are never still that bad. Still might be Yeah, I mean, still a contender, really. But, like, the, the, you know, their defense is not anything, you know, wild this year. And their offense is, I think, you know, um, I just don't think – I think that quarterback play is way down among elite programs this year. Like, I don't think Bryce Young – CJ Stroud, certainly not whoever Clemson had this year, were uh, uh, you know anywhere near the guys that those programs had last year. So I'm sticking with my thesis here, which is I think Georgia, like Michigan, is a school that's figuring out the next step beyond you know the supposedly unstoppable spread. So yep, picking the dogs. Dan, making it two for two here. Yeah, um, Alabama's like just pretty stinky, um, <laughs> and Georgia's really good. And uh, I want to see Georgia get this done. Um, I don't. I don't want to see Bama in, in the playoff. Like these media. Like when you're a powerhouse, you might like see Bama, him in there anyway, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. The two a two loss. I'm I'm firmly of the belief that a two loss Alabama team will not be in the playoff. I, I, don't, I, know, I don't. I'm believe. with you there, but you never yeah. know. You never know. But I. But they've they've set the precedent before. Like there's no reason. Yeah, since it would. It, it, I would be, re- I really want to see. You know, for for rooting interest, but also just for like the good of the sport. A Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State playoff would rule. Those are four teams that aren't in there every year. Um, and Georgia would be the heavy favorite, but you'd have some interesting matchups there. Um, so I, I agree, anyway. although I will say I really want Michigan to play Notre Dame with Tommy Reese as head coach. That would oh, be my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That would be very funny. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Georgia. Um, they're the much better team. And uh, I – you know, like I was, I was going to say, like, if you're a powerhouse like Alabama, your mediocre teams don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So I, I really want to see Georgia get this done. Yeah, it would be nice to have things be a little different for a change. But also, if Georgia, I mean, the thing is, if Georgia loses, they're still going to make the playoffs. So you can't, like, eliminate the boogeyman here. So, yeah, I, right. I, I would think that Michigan's rooting interest here is very much in, in Georgia taking care of business. Yeah, so very, very don't much don't need here. a... Yeah, don't need Bam in the playoffs because they're, you know, they're definitely they're probably one of like statistically the four best teams in the country. So, you know, get that get them out of there and let's let's bring in Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. <laughs> yeah, and certainly talent wise, one of the top three. So um oh, for yeah, sure. just no need to face that. Uh the ACC's title game, uh, because again, you needed to determine a champion of these conferences, even if they don't deserve one. Uh Wake Forest, three point underdogs versus Pitt. Um, Wake Forest is uh plus one thirty on the money line. Total on this one is 72 and a half. I have watched ACC championship games before. I have watched Pitt before. I know Wake Forest plays fast and I know they have a powerful offense, but 72 and a half is a lot of points. I didn't have to think twice before going under on this one. Um, I know I'm going with a lot of uh, totals on this one instead of spreads. That's for a good reason. I think these spreads are pretty dang sharp and I'd rather look at the totals right now. Um, Connor, you've got a very like karmic reason uh, for your choice here. Yeah, I mean, I if you look at the stats, I think Pitt. These teams look very similar statistically. I think Pitt is looked a little bit better overall. I think they've got a little bit more talent overall. Um, but really, here's the thing: when you're Wake Forest and you're not a football power, you cannot let a Heisman candidate get into the transfer portal and transfer to fucking Michigan State, <laughs> like, especially right you before you're about to have like your best season in a long time. Yeah, like I, I just think the football gods have to punish Wake Forest for their the you know that the curse of Kenneth Kenneth Walker the third must descend upon them. So go Panthers. All right, I mean it, it wouldn't take much to get me to root for Pitt, and uh, that that will tip me over. Um, Dan also going with the Panthers. 
Yeah. Um, going with Pitt, uh, Wake Forest. I'm, I'm constantly like, I'll never root for Wake Forest um, because I hate their little like delayed handoff thing. It's bullshit. I hate how it looks. Um, it sucks to watch on TV. Um, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh like, yeah. The, no, the mesh point that lasts forever. Yeah, dude, it's the worst. I hate, I hate it so much. I can't explain why. It's, it's anxiety, so aesthetically. Yeah, it's so aesthetically bad. Um, football players are football plays are supposed to be drawn up to to make my brain, um, you know, feel nice. I don't know why. There's just certain like there's certain ways that like certain plays look that that you know are aesthetically pleasing to me. Um, and Wake Forest offense has none of them, so um, I'm going with Pitt. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if I really have any actual, um, you know, Kenny Pickett. Uh, is a very funny name for quarterback. Um, <laughs> he's haven't watched good. much ACC. Yeah, he's pretty good, and I have not watched much ACC football this year. And uh, Pitt has kind of you? always been my my second team because you know um, I've always rooted for them against Penn State. Yes, you do, you do have that aspect going for you. Um, all right, the game that uh, y'all actually care about: Iowa, ten and a half point underdogs, and plus three thirty on the money line. Yes, they are the biggest dogs of championship weekend, at least among the games that we picked um, against Michigan. Uh, over under on this one, a mere forty four points. Uh, I was leaning just picking Michigan, uh, but I could see. Iowa's defense and also just the general pace of the game, uh, keeping it, uh, I wouldn't say falsely close necessarily, but, you know, a lower scoring game where the margins aren't going to be as wide. Um, but, you know, I, I read off those Petrus numbers earlier. Uh, I, I just don't know how, how Iowa scores enough to, um, I don't know how Iowa scores really. Um, so, uh, I'm going with the under in this one because I, I just don't think Michigan is going to need to pour on that many points. Uh, they don't need to do style points for this one. They don't need to exercise any demons. They just need to uh, win and advance. So I think this is going to be a relatively straightforward and hopefully pretty boring victory um, where the under hits. Um, Dan, you've got a good stat for why the spread is actually the play here. Um, yeah. So Michigan is 10 and two against the spread this year, which is pretty incredible. That's ridiculous. Um, ridiculous um and i think you know generally speaking uh, if you really want to be a smart smart gambler as far as football goes you want to look at you know i think basically the way vegas cooks up their lines is they have you know advanced metrics that basically tell them you know more or less sp plus right mm-hmm. um and that's what sp plus and other metrics like it don't um don't take into account is specific matchups. And for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier in the show, when we were talking about Iowa. I believe that Iowa is a specifically very good matchup for Michigan. Um, I believe, I believe that, you know, Michigan's strengths uh, match up against Iowa's weaknesses and um, Iowa's weaknesses are uh, strategically placed to, you know, not test any of Michigan's relative weaknesses. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with uh, Michigan to cover the spread. Um, I think they'll, I think they'll blow this Iowa team out. And, uh, you know, I feel a little bit, um, don't want to jinx it or anything, but that's just how I feel, you know, as when I, when I really look at these two teams. We have to be honest about these things. Um, we always have been to our great detriment. Uh, Connor, how about you? Hey, I mean, I, I saw I'm going to disagree with the detriment thing there because I've picked Michigan against the spread every single week this year. And I have <laughs> so been you're richly, tenant too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been richly rewarded. Like, I mean, you can't ask for a better like tenant to in any gambling situation. Hot damn. Um, so I'm doing it again. I, I agree with everything Dan said. Um, you know, I think Michigan will have to play a pretty bad game for this to get within 10 points, which is possible. I'm not ruling it out. 
Michigan has, you know, played down at times this year. I mean, the, the Rutgers game looks hilarious in retrospect, actually. But um, <laughs> I, I do think Michigan, I mean, they're just firing all cylinders. I don't see Iowa having a better answer for Michigan's run game than Ohio State did. And that means this could get pretty ugly. Uh, so, yeah, go blue, baby. Go blue is a good place to end this podcast because, um, yeah, um, they beat Ohio, in case y'all didn't hear. And, uh, yeah, that's that's it for the picks. That's it for the podcast. Um, that's it for this week. I will be coming to you uh, later on with a uh, subscriber-only podcast that'll um, do more big-picture Ohio State-Michigan stuff and also take a look at um, the Big Ten Championship game. And then uh, um, I should be having a guest post from an Iowa writer. I, d- I don't want to out people before they um, do work. Um, and I might be uh, appearing on an Iowa site um, to do the same thing, to preview this game. Uh, so that's what you can expect at uh, www.thebucketproblem.com. We have had a, a tremendous outpouring of support and subscriptions uh, in the last week. Turns out beating the Buckeyes is uh, good for business on top of everything else. So um, thank you to everyone who has uh, signed up since then. Um, please uh, follow a Bucket Problem on Twitter. Uh, rate us, review us. Um, set the podcast to download do your holiday shopping at homefieldapparel.com use the promo code bucket prob on points bet and uh this weekend beat iowa have a good week